Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Friends, we're continuing with this new series of staff stories. Today, I'm bringing on Janet Mortensen. Janet is the Director of Pastoral Care here at Bethany Lutheran Church. And in the course of our conversation together, we talked a lot about that idea of pastoral care and how important it is, the ways that we care for individuals simply by just creating space for them. It's a fascinating conversation, and Janet is, as always, so wise in what she has to offer. I really think you're going to enjoy this one a lot, uh, and because it's also just very practical. I think a lot of us end up with questions uh, about how can I be caring for my friend who's grieving or who's scared or anxious about something coming up. There's a lot of details, a lot of real nuggets of wisdom in this conversation that I think might be helpful for situations like that. As always, just thank you for your support of the podcast and for listening. If you think of it, head on to the iTunes store and and look us up. Leave us a rating and a review. That really does help other people find the podcast. We really are continuing to hope to build our audience. So, So share these links with others. Just post a link to the episode if you appreciated it on your social media channels. All of that is super helpful for us as we try and get this uh, get these stories out to more people. But now I'll turn it over to this recorded conversation between myself and Janet Mortensen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Together for Good podcast. I'm seated in Janet Mortensen's office up up in the, the, the catacombs of the Bethany <laughs> office complex. Um, Janet is the director of pastoral care at Bethany, as you may or may not know. Janet, say hello. Good morning. <laughs> Janet's been on before. Um, she also did one of those uh, Faith Journey podcasts back last Lent, but this is part of this new series about staff stories and just learning a little bit more about our staff here. And so, Janet, just tell us a little bit, I, where I kind of want to start with you, is just a little bit about what you even do, you know, week to week here. I have a really good sense of it, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners aren't as clear on it. I think that is the number one question people ask me, whether <laughs> from this congregation or outside of this congregation, what is it that you do exactly? Which is a good question. I think it's a fair question. The n- number one priority that I have is meeting people with health issues, mm-hmm. to talk with them, to visit with them, to share the information with the pastors here, so that one of the pastoral staff can reach out to people who are having health issues mm-hmm. of any of any kind. And I definitely visit people every week, whether it be in their homes or a long-term care facility or the hospital. And do a lot of phone visits as well mm-hmm. to talk with people and figure out exactly what it is that is going on and try and help them understand the process and receive any resources to help them either navigate the system or to stay at home or to get the best care they can. Yeah, and so it's really what, what I love about it. Well, your title is Pastoral Care, Director of Pastoral Care, and it is such an extension of the church's caring ministries. And I think people recognize that. They really understand that church is a place, um, hopefully, where they can feel cared for, especially at times um, with the health piece. Um, that, that's often when people come to church, right? It's like if you have a health crisis um, or you want some prayer before an upcoming surgery or something. And you're really the, as the title suggests, the director of all of that, kind of keeping all of it organized at a church the size of Bethany. There's a lot of people um, who, who are just kind of going through different things at any moment in time. And you kind of catalog all that for us. 
in addition to reaching out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and before this, though, you're in in a previous version of your life, you were a nurse, correct? Correct. Or it's also kind of the thing: once a nurse, always a nurse. I'm sure. Yes, and I I still am a nurse. I completed a faith community nursing certificate to do this role in the church because the difference being that uh, faith and spiritual component is emphasized a lot more in this role. Sure than as an RN in a hospital. But I started in Rochester, Minnesota, and worked on a GI, gastrointestinal medical surgical floor, for three years. As part of that group of patients, we had patients who were able to eat, but unable to absorb nutrients, or unable to eat entirely. Hmm. We had a group of patients that received then nutrition via their vein or via um, a feeding tube on a permanent basis. Wow. So I did an education role in teaching them how to do this at home or their loved one, how they could do that at home. And I followed everybody in the hospital who was receiving nutrition via the vein or a feeding tube, even if it was temporary, to ensure they had adequate nutrients and their blood levels were good. I worked with a team. It was a pharmacist, um, an endocrine, typically an endocrine physician, mm-hmm. myself, and a dietitian. Wow. It was very interesting. Very, very different when you think of in terms of nutrition. It wasn't diet focused. It was very chemi- chemistry based. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and it's, what's fascinating about that is like your role in particular, yes, was like to care for these individuals as a nurse does, but in particular to make sure that they could get the nutrition that they needed, right? Through this weird chemical, right? Mm -hmm. Medical process, etc. It was. And the other part of my role that I think is similar to what I do here, as we all know, eating and dinner time is not only satisfying, but a social time. So for these people, it was a huge change in life. Mm -hmm. And so also dealing with the fact that they couldn't eat or they couldn't go out to dinner in a normal fashion or they had to be home every night to do this feeding that took place over a 12-hour time period every single night, no no matter where they went. Yeah. So it was, again, a huge lifestyle change and a commitment on their part that was difficult for them and their family members. Mm -hmm. So that was another part of my role, to talk to them in how they dealt with this big change. Yeah, like to counsel them sort of Mm -hmm. through it in a way. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, what I'm finding, what I love is the parallels, too, of of that work, right? Counseling them through it, which has this like, this emotional um, realm to it, because mm-hmm. I'm sure it was just it was. very frustrating and difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, right, like ultimately trying to make sure that they can get this nutrition that they deeply need, but that is complex within their body. And now here, right, like counseling people through these difficult moments in their life, but also. Like they, you know, the the ones who come to us asking for care, letting us know something happened. Like there's a nutritional need in their sense, in the you know, quote unquote nutritional. Like it's a it's a spiritual nutritional need of like, yeah, like this is giving me cause for anxiety or concern, and I want to know 
that there's some forces bigger kind of caring for me through these difficult moments. Definitely. Definitely. Interesting. So, so tell us a little bit more too. I mean, what do you, what do you love? What did you love about your work previously as a nurse? And then, you know, what do you love now in this different role? My favorite part of working as a nurse in the hospital, when I moved to Denver, I worked on a cardiac floor, which was entirely different, but also involved a lot of education. Mm -hmm. Most patients need a change in lifestyle and information for almost any disease process they've, they encounter. I love the education piece. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. But my favorite part was really getting to know families and the dynamics I enjoyed that part. Not everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But I really enjoyed that part and getting to know who they were. And you had to do it in a quick span because you had all these other things that you were responsible for. I love to see improvement in patients. One thing that was nice working here in Denver versus at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, a lot of people at the Mayo Clinic came in from all over the country. So you would see them, you would care for them, they would go home to recover, and you often did not see them again. Outside of that nutrition group, they came back often. Interesting. However, here, uh-huh. they were local people. Uh-huh. So they it could be that their disease happened, something else happened and brought them back to you. But they would also stop up and say, hey, I'm doing really well. I just completed my cardiac rehab. Yeah, yeah. It was great to see that follow-up of people progressing, hopefully that progressing. But the other thing that it did do, you know, some of the cardiac patients or respiratory patients, their disease was a progressing disease. Mm -hmm. So we knew them already when they came back in as they became more ill. In some ways, it prepared me for this role in the people that we accompany who are in hospice, end of life dying and I think it really prepared me in how to talk with people how to think about this in a different light maybe than Mm -hmm. what I did previously where really most of the GI medical surgical patients we had recovered from their surgery and went on because then they went to a different floor or a different area or whatever yeah so I think that was really good I really resonate with that too. So, so one of the things that um, pastors have to do for their preparation for ministry is a unit of CPE, clinical pastoral education, where you serve as a chaplain in a medical setting. And so my CPE unit, usually they send you into a hospital um, where, right, like in, in a hospital setting, the patient's there for hopefully only a day or two and then moves on. And you as the you know chaplain maybe pray with them and talk through something, but then never see them again. But my rotation was at a long-term care facility. So I got to know everyone in this, I think it was like 60-bed long-term care facility. And, you know, and really built relationships. There were people, most of the people there were there for the whole time, my whole six-month unit. Absolutely. And there is something just really, I realized that at the end of it, it was like, wow, like I really enjoyed this a lot more, I think, because I could build the long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. And I I get that sense from you, too, is that that's kind of what you appreciated with some of that follow-up. And now here, it's all long-term relationships. It is. Yeah. It is. It's wonderful to be able to do that, and not only with the individual, but also with the family, to help the family accompany someone, help the family 
as they it might be grieving or mm -hmm. celebrating whatever the case may be it's wonderful to have that relationship with the family so one of the things I, I'm guessing, well, I mean, and for the people who are listening too, we all have folks in our life who might be going through something, who have an upcoming surgery or have had a loss in the family. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could give us some of your wisdom in terms of how you handle and approach those situations. When you find yourself having to sit with someone who's really grieving or really scared or really anxious, yeah, how, how do you enter into those places? So I would say... One of the questions I ask people before surgery is, what is your biggest fear around this surgery? It may not be what you would think it would be. Interesting. So I like to know what it is so we can talk about it. I think a lot of fears become more manageable when you can talk about them and you can verbalize what they are. It doesn't make them go away, but it does help that somebody else knows what that fear is and can help carry that with you. I try to always include any of the fears prior to surgery to, with a prayer um, and, and invite them to share anything else along with that. I think in grieving and if somebody is dying, so often people are afraid to talk about it or afraid to ask questions. Mm. There's always that sense if you don't do those things, that there's something bigger in the room than even what is happening. So I encourage people mm. to say, ask direct questions. Is there anything you want to share about your life right now? Is there anything, do you have any regrets in your life that you want to talk about? What about accomplishments? What were your favorite things in your life? Share that while you can, or share with the person Gosh, I remember when, perhaps it's a special memory that they don't re even remember, or it will bring back a special memory. We spend time at um, celebrations of life mm -hmm. and at the funerals sharing stories about the person. Mm -hmm. And that's great. It's for those who didn't perhaps know that person well, or you get to know them even better through those stories. I encourage people to share those stories with the person who's dying mm. so they can hear it before they go. Yeah. And it may give them an opportunity to share a special memory about yourself. And I think that helps um, with the grieving process. And to remember that, you know, because you lost somebody today, 20 years from now, you will still miss that person in your life and that that person the love will continue the loss continues it just changes most often over time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to rely on each other and and share experiences with each other I think I think one of the pieces to the whole well to all the grieving process or just the, the anxiety about a medical diagnosis um, we're, we're such a, a forward-focused culture and, and just kind of want to get things done and get through it and move on to the next thing. And at least in my hearing what you're talking about, too, so much of pastoral care is, is kind of slow and patient mm -hmm. and just allowing space and time to, yeah, to ask bigger questions, to share memories. Like, there's, there's nothing efficient about it. 
Right. And I think that's also part of why we're so bad at it or like so uncomfortable with it is it just doesn't fit within anything else that we tend to try and do within our society. Yes. And I think we've also made so many medical advances. People expect, oh, there'll be another answer or there'll be another solution. And there may be. Hmm. But to allow people to sit in that decision process and not feel that they have to take every medical option that's out there and available to them. They may not want to do that, and that's okay too. And to have the space to sit and talk with each other about how that feels and and whether that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I... that's that's so important. Uh, um, and I just know, I mean, for me personally, but I'm sure for a lot of others as well, understanding our emotions takes so much time. It's, you know, and you don't, you probably don't even, when you're faced with these big dramatic moments, you might not even understand fully what's going on inside you until you can create space for that to happen. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And more important than, often, more important than the diagnosis or the treatment it is your feelings around it and how that impacts your life and mm. how that impacts your family's life. Yeah. That's why that time is so necessary. Absolutely. Well, and that's why that's why your role is so necessary too. I feel like, you know, directors of pastoral care or you know, or pastors as well, when we can enter into those moments with families, with individuals, just by the nature of our title as well, like it, it encourages people to to muddle over the spiritual questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the pastor's here. You, yes. you know, like it, it just, it shifts, <laughs> it shifts the mindset. Um, but also when we can be like, like when you can just show up and spend time with them too, yes. to, to have them live in that space, in that reflecting space for a, a set period of time, rather than just moving on to the next appointment or the next thing on the to-do list. Right. So right. valuable. I think even for, for anybody who is in relationships with coworkers, with family members. If, if you don't work in a religious or spiritual place, you can still bring that to the situation that you're in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know I, if patients, when I was in the hospital, if patients mentioned religion, we would talk about religion if it was a faith where I felt they would be comfortable with a prayer, I would I would still ask them if they would like me to pray. People said yes or no, and mm-hmm. I did have some people say, no, I'm not so comfortable with that, and that was fine, but I, it wasn't uncomfortable, yeah. is what I would say. And even when you take that time to listen to, say, a co-worker talk about a divorce, let's throw that out there. Um, that is a spiritual space because they're sharing something so very personal with you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to offer a lot of words or wisdom, but being a companion next to them is offering that spiritual space. Exactly. Well, what I don't think we give enough credit for is by, by showing up, by you know creating the space, mm-hmm. that in and of itself can provide some healing to the situation and yes. and yeah it, you you probably won't fix it all for the person and that's okay but just by yeah being patient um mm-hmm. by asking a good question by listening that can create so much healing 
Yeah. Not great. And I'm sure you find that right, like with your with your role in particular, you just you're constantly having to show up and create that space for people. Mm-hmm. Um, does it ever feel like how does that work for you? Because you're also like you're very accomplished. Um, right, I know you're making this incredible quilt that we all can't wait to see. You know, like, right, you're, you're very productive. How, like, does that ever get difficult for you on some days where you're like, gosh, like, because it's just such a different way of compartmentalizing okay. things. It is. However, I have always felt that that is an important part of life. Mm-hmm. To allow that space. Like, and one thing that is different in this role versus working in the hospital there were definite things you had to accomplish right every single day exactly and I didn't, the chart. Leave. <laughs> I didn't leave until everything i was never left a shift in the hospital on time uh-huh. i had to make sure everything was done everything was perfect before i left it was difficult when i first started here because there were always things to do that yeah. could be done tomorrow. Uh-huh. But I had to learn how to live into that space of okay, this can wait for tomorrow. It's time to go home. Yeah. And that was difficult at first. Absolutely. And especially as you develop more areas that you participate in, there's just more areas that have additional work to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to do a little work in leaving it here. Yeah. Going home. <laughs> well, and it's just such different work. There's not it's a right so different. Not a chart to fill out for all of this. No. Well the, well there kind of is. There's the awesome chart that you make for the pastoral team every week about all right, here's who right, like you the the, the community should know that that we look over every week of here's who's sick that's let us know, here's who in long term care. Here's the bereavement list, you know, and you, you do an excellent job of keeping that all in line. Um, but besides that, right, like so much of the work is, like we said, like showing up and creating the space. Yes. And that's just such a different mindset, I'm sure, than a hospital setting where it's like, okay, did we change the IV? You know, did we right. replace the bandages? Been given, yeah. You know, that type of thing. However, the one thing that I do also find it is similar to, from that work to this work. And part of the reason I loved and have loved, continue to love being a nurse, is that every day is different. Mm-hmm. In the hospital, I was, I'm was i a list person, so as soon as I would get my patients for the day and kind of see and fill out this form um, of what had to be done for sure at certain times, I would kind of create this little plan of who I would see first, mm-hmm, second, mm-hmm. third, and what this looked like. I don't know if I ever had a day that the plan worked. <laughs> Isn't because that the truth? somebody would have pain or nausea or something uh-huh, that uh-huh. took you away from that. Which, by the way, was great preparation to being a parent. <laughs> <laughs> also very true. Oh my gosh. But here, you know, quite often someone will come in through the office door right. and need something. Or call on the phone in a, a big life event has happened or someone's just feeling really down could I possibly come today yeah so I feel like it's very much the same which I like because it just it isn't going to work and doing the same thing every day no I really enjoy that piece and everyone's response from a spiritual standpoint is different to 
mm-hmm. a situation. Mm-hmm. So being able to be flexible in that is absolutely important. Well, I mean, just I want to close here just by saying, I mean, thank you for taking the time to share all of this with us. But sincerely, the work you do here is just so important, especially at a place this size. And I just love how well Bethany as a whole cares for its members. And so much of that is because of your continued passion in this work and your organization around this work. And yeah, and just the ways that you are able to show up so well for everyone and care for them. Um, it's really it's really a gift, Janet, and I hope you know how much I appreciate that. I and mean, I'm sure there's so many people out there too that just, you know, adore your efforts here. Well, thank you. And I certainly appreciate that people are open mm. to sharing and also that this, I have support from staff mm-hmm. to do this role. That's, mm-hmm. it, that's absolutely key. So I appreciate that. Well, and hey, listeners, we appreciate you too. Thanks for listening to this continued uh, edition of Staff Stories with Janet Mortensen. Stay in peace, everyone.